Um, as we move into our uh, encounter with the word, we are going to turn to the words of scripture in terms of the book of the Psalms, uh, the Bible's songbook, and particularly to Psalm 139, uh, which is going to be familiar to many of us. It is um, this beautiful psalm that expresses God's presence with us over time, all the time, and over distance everywhere. And so I'm going to invite Jim to come and read for us Psalm 139. And then after Jim does that, the next voice that you hear will be the voice of our preacher, Reverend Ashley Bitar Burt. So Psalm 139. Oh God, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from far away. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all of my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, oh God, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is so high that I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Shiloh, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and settle at the farthest limit of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light around me become night, even the darkness is too dark to you. The night is as bright as day for the darkness is as light to you. For it was you who formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearful and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works that I know very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes beheld my unformed substance. In your book were written all the days that were formed for me when none of them yet existed. How weighty to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. I try to count them. They are more than the sand. I come to the end. I'm still with you. Oh, that you would kill the wicked, O oh God. And then the bloodthirsty would depart from me. Those who speak of you maliciously and lift themselves up against you for evil. Do I not hate those who hate you, O oh God? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with perfect hatred. I count them my enemies. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. See if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. We celebrate the written word of scripture. Thanks be to God. We celebrate the living word, Christ among us. Thanks be to God. 
Dear friends, I invite you now, before we begin our sermon, to just take a moment to sit and to breathe. Deep breath in and let it out. And deep breath in and let it out. And finally, one more in. And let that out, quieting our minds so that they may be filled with the spirit. Friends, imagine, if you will, a child. She is uh, 11 or maybe 12 years old. She is slender and tall, and her pants are far too short, and her shirts are far too wide. And she is growing, and so she is adjusting to the new changes in her body, which makes her clumsy and kind of awkward. But she's trying. She's trying. There are round glasses that sit above a bright smile with a slightly crooked front tooth, the left one. And there are stickers that adorn her forehead and she will tell you that they're ironic and not a last grasp at childhood. She is a deep, deep thinker and just as deep a feeler. And so she deeply longs to understand the world, longs for the world to understand her. And yet neither of those wishes has come true yet. She has friends, she has a lot of friends. But when she hangs out with those friends, she feels ignored. And so she hides away in another room or on the porch, or perhaps on some stairs. And she sits there alone, praying that someone will notice that she's gone, that someone will come and find her. She so desperately wishes to be seen, but more often than not, she feels like a secret that no one wants to know. Now, the irony of this is, of course, that she isn't alone. As I mentioned before, she does have friends. They're on the other side of the wall or the door or just downstairs. But it's not really the point, is it? She feels alone and that's what matters. We don't have to be literally alone to feel loneliness. And we may not ourselves be an 11 or 12 year old girl, but how often do we feel alone? Especially these days. How often do we feel misunderstood or confused or unheard? I bet it's maybe more than we recognize, 
perhaps even more than we care to admit. And yet, our text today reminds us of one true thing. Even when we feel like our lives and our true selves are hidden away like a secret, they are still a secret that God knows. I hear for the past few weeks you all have been talking a lot about words and what they mean and their impact and whatnot. And so let's do, let's do a little bit of that today. And let's talk about, let's start off with knowing. In Hebrew, the word for that is yada, which is to know. And it means, well, it, it means a lot of different things. It can be taken in a lot of ways. Um, it can mean sort of a basic knowledge of just a fact. For example, Jonah knew that because he did not listen to God's call, it was his fault. There's a storm. Yada. It can also refer to uh, sexual knowledge. So in Genesis with Adam and Eve, yada. It can even refer to this deeper, more complex knowledge, uh, something a little bit more challenging than what's on the surface. So it, with Ezekiel, for instance, recognizing God as God and truly understanding the nature of what that means, well, yada. It's, it's this complicated and, and intimate thing that indicates a deep, sense of relationship. And knowing is vital for any relationship really to thrive. I mean, think about it. Think about the people that you feel closest to and how much you know about them, who they are, how they are, what they like, what they don't like, their hopes, their fears, their dreams, that thing that happened to them when they were 10, that thing they hope happens to them when they're older, that thing that they're hoping uh, just gets them through the day, all of these things, they're part of knowing. And they're so important to relationship. And so it is unsurprising that our word, yada, shows up seven times in this passage today. And this shows us that God, who wants to have this relationship with you, who wants to connect with you and, and to, to form a bond with you, if God wants to have that intimate relationship with us, well then God has to know us. And how can we be sure, how can we know that God knows us? Well, let's consider the terminology used in relationship to the word you. So whenever you see the word Lord, capital L-O-R-D, in the Hebrew Bible, what's actually written are the letters yod He vav He. And that makes a word that isn't spoken. It's, it's the name for God and it is so incredibly powerful 
and holy that oftentimes it is not even entirely written out. One of the letters will be replaced with a dash. Um, if you've ever seen a Jewish person perhaps write uh, God as G-D, uh, that's sort of the English version of, of what that's getting at. And when, when that reading the Hebrew out loud, the word, like I said, is not spoken, but is replaced with another word for God, Adonai. Um, now the letters yod heh vav heh, uh, if sort of translated into the English equivalents, uh, makes a Y-H-V-H. And so Christians will often see these and say it as Yahweh or even Jehovah. That's where that actually comes from, the, that extraordinarily special holy word for God or name for God. And as I've mentioned before, it's not the only word for God in Hebrew. There's certainly multiple, um, but it is an extraordinarily intimate and personal one. And so it should be no surprise, of course, that in our text today, it is followed by multiple occurrences of the word you. In fact, it shows up 10 times in the first six verses alone. Adonai, you. Adonai, you. Do you know what that means? It means that this is a conversation. We believe in a God that you can converse with. That's how deep this relationship goes. If you have ever tried to have a conversation with someone you don't know very well, it can be really tricky and sometimes kind of awkward. But when you have a good, deep, solid relationship, you can converse easily and for a very long time. And, and this conversation, it shows that God has spent some time on us. This text shows us that this is a God that has spent some time on us, some time on you. Examples? One, this is a God that knew about us before we were even a twinkle in anyone's imagination. Two, this is a God that formed us, that made us fearfully or in awe, and in wonder. Three, this is a God that knows our words before we even speak them, uh, which if that's the case, uh, thanks for the sermon, God, much appreciated. Good looking out. Four, this is a God that goes with us everywhere, even to Sheol. And I, I don't know what you know about ancient Jewish understandings of God, but according to, to ancient Judaism, God didn't go to Shul. That didn't happen. And yet here's our text telling us that God is willing to do that for you. Five. This is a God that saw our unformed substance, which in Hebrew, the word is gomli. And it appears once, just once in the entire Bible. It actually comes from the languages uh, Aramaic and Syriac. So this is a God who will cross languages to talk about us. This isn't a God that ignores us or denies us. This is a God that seeks us 
and sees us. Whew, us. That's a pretty powerful word too. It doesn't physically appear in the text, but wow, is us all over this. The supposed origins of this text are someone responding to accusations of idolatry by showing that they and God, they're in us. And sure, when it comes to a relationship between a person and God, it's, it's not exactly going to be mutual. But the psalmist does show that they know some things about God too. Maybe it's not a two-way street, but it's at least a road and a highway. Our psalmists, well, they know what God knows, and they know where God goes, and they know what and how God creates, and they also know the importance of their relationship with God. And then we come to those last few verses, and they feel different than the rest of the text. I mean, kill the wicked, hating with perfect hatred, that is a lot. But it also doesn't mean what you think it means. Hatred here means rejection, and wicked is, well, that is wickedness. This is actually talking about those who go against God, about the things that separate from God. And it's setting up an alliance, uh, building up on that relationship, letting people know that when push comes to shove, I am on God's side. We are on God's side. And being on God's side means asking for things to be set right in the world. Now notice that the psalmist isn't just sort of casting stones from afar. They're not just casting judgment on other people or just calling out other behaviors. They've included themselves in this. They want to make sure that they don't become part of the problem. They do not want to be separated from God. They want to keep that relationship with God. And so recognizing that connection, recognizing the intimacy, recognizing the street and the highway, they ask that that relationship remain strong and that nothing separate them. That they get to know God and God gets to know them. That they're not a secret. Think about that girl from the beginning of our sermon. What if she had known that she wasn't a secret? What if we know that none of us are secrets? What if we remember that there is nowhere we can go and nothing we can do to make us invisible to God? What if we remember that God knows us so well 
and loves us so much that there's no way that we could ever hide, no way that we could ever be alone. Or perhaps it can help us feel a little less lonely, help us to reach out when we are feeling lonely, help us to reach out to others when we notice something's wrong, even check in just to make sure nothing's wrong. Perhaps it can help us remember that we're worth knowing and that we're worthy of love. Perhaps it can help us to see each other, to see ourselves in the beautiful, wonderful, awe-inspiring way that God sees us. Amen.